How would you describe today's show, Stu? Uh, quite the adventure. Quite the adventure. I would say quite the adventure. Uh, we had some debate reaction early on and uh, a lot of passion there for yeah. various reasons, mostly about how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talked to a father who had his kids stolen from him by basically the state. The state. Um, we uh, and went to prison for it. Mm-hmm. Went to prison because he wouldn't abide by a gag order, nor would I. Nor would I. If I were in his situation, nor would I. Nor would any, no. I think, good parent. No. And then we also talked uh, to a family that honestly has been kind of throughout the history of the show. I'm mean, going back years and years and years and years and years. A family from Germany who came here because they were getting persecuted for their desire to homeschool their children and not have them taught nonsense. And that's illegal, apparently, in Germany. So they were brought here. We went through a terrible thing to keep them here back in the day. But they came the right way. But they came the right way. And they are upstanding citizens, good citizens. And now, years and years later, in what seems like an act of revenge by the government, they are now being tossed out. I think today's show is a good example of uh, me coming the closest to losing my mind. You, you almost, the end of the show, you almost walked out. I was surprised you stayed, honestly. And I'm the a only professional. Thing that, well, it's, <laughs> that's somewhat true, but also, yeah. the only thing that could keep you here was meatball. And An, we talked about meatball at the end. An amazing story <laughs> of just one of the dumbest women. <laughs> or was she? Or, or has she, she been trained very, very well? Mm, or poorly. We'll give you all this and so much more. Brought to you in part by Relief Factor. Look, you're in pain. Get out of pain. Oh, yeah, easy for you to say. No, it's not easy for me to say. I was in pain for a long, long time. Excruciating, agonizing pain. I couldn't use my hands most of the time. My hands would be in so much pain and, and cramp up. And I mean, we had we had signals for the camera people when I would be on TV. Going back to the Fox days, you got to take it. Take the picture, either get it off of me or take it from the shoulders up because my hands are going to start doing things that I don't want anybody to see. That's how bad it was. I started taking Relief Factor after trying everything else. I can paint today. I can play the piano today. I got my life back. Just try it. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. It's a 1995 three-week quick start. See if it works. If it's not working in three weeks, probably not going to work for you. 800, the number four, relief. 800, the number four, relief, or relieffactor.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I love the primary season. Oh, as we say, mm-hmm. primary season is the dumbest season. Yeah. So everyone hates everyone. Everyone thinks everything you say is some secret signal against what, whoever you want to vote for. That's where we are in primary season. Can I can I tell you, if if you went to like, I, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe if you had to debate your way in to be homecoming king and queen and prince and princess at like let's say beverly hills high Mm. i think that's kind of the debate that i saw last night a bunch of privileged people on the stage all yelling 
all talking over each other, not stopping, no reason, all looking at like one of the journalists at the same time, just talking. Shut up. All of you, shut up. My gosh, it was such a waste of time and such an insult. The biggest loser last night was Fox. That was disgusting. And I'm doing a TV show tonight you don't want to miss. We're, we're going to be talking about, I think Fox is dead. I think the GOP is dead. I think it's dead. Dead. GOP is the one that picked Fox and uh, Univision to host that thing. Why? Why? Why would they do that? Why? It was Fox Business News. Do you know how many people watch Fox Business News? Like 12. And many of them are on the second floor of the Fox building. What are you doing? And then you put Univision on with Fox. I mean, I understand NBC Univision because it's the same crap. Oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't take they lost control of that debate yeah. within 10 minutes. That was rough. I mean, I, I guess the theory here is that they don't want to give debates to MSNBC and CNN. So they're like, well, who else do we have? Uh, I don't know. Right. Uh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Like maybe the blaze. Maybe the blaze. Maybe you give it to the blaze daily wire and we do it together. Yeah. Maybe. What are you doing? Instead, GOP. Instead, they're like, well, the only ones who don't totally hate us are Fox and Fox business. So let's go there over and over oh and over. Oh my gosh. Again. It was horrible. And like, I don't like I, I like Dana Perino. I think she I don't think it was necessarily the the, um, uh, moderators? the moderators because it was the, I, like let's at some point we are re- conservatives here. Right. Maybe we should blame the people for their actions. And the, the people on stage all made the same decision that I wasn't aggressive enough. I need to talk. No, more. no. And they uh, all except talked for to, one. Except, except for, for one. For, uh, uh, two. I would say two. I, I, I would say Vivek. Yes. Um, went the opposite way. No, it's, oh, it's Mr. Mr. Vivek's back in town. Yeah, hello. Primary guy <laughs> sees that Vivek is getting a compliment. He must be a Vivek, a secret agent. Uh, right. Okay, uh, and, so. And I thought DeSantis was more aggressive, but generally speaking, kept within the lines. I think so, too. I think okay. I think that's why I said he, out of all that appeared, and the only reason why the big winner was Donald Trump last night was because he didn't have any of the stink on him. If he would have been there, it would have been worse. Yeah. Would have been worse. But he wasn't there. He made the right decision. He didn't show up. And that thing devolved into a 12-year-old food oh, fight. It was uh, awful. Awful. I, awful. I mean, there was minutes at a time. Minutes. When three or four of them were talking. There was one time, I think all seven of them were oh, talking. Oh, gosh. And it was Just like, awful. what do you do? What is this? What is this? I, I mean, are we America? This is the lowest low I think we've ever hit in politics. Thank <laughs> you. Wait a minute. No, no, no. I mean, in, poli- in, in debates. In okay. debates. I was not in politics. Say, that's a real. No, in debates. This was shameful. It was shameful. shameful. And, you know, I get it. Like, Tim Scott, the criticism of him in debate number one is he basically didn't say anything. So right out the gate, Tim Scott, every single question, jumping in, raising his hand, saying, I understand he's trying to solve a specific problem. He's not going to win the presidency if he doesn't solve it. I get why he does that. Doug Burgum. No one knows who Doug Burgum is. He is. First of all, let me just say this. Every time the camera went to him, it was like, oh, my gosh, 
I mean, he's a Muppet. He doesn't. He is. He's like an avatar or a cartoon. I, I don't so you know mean like what his, just appearance. It's his appearance. You're like, oh, God, what can warn us? Slide into him from Chris Christie or something. My wow, gosh. that's the biggest Chris Christie compliment I think ever his ever, appearance has ever received. Ever, ever received. And he is. Oh my gosh. I, honestly, like, oh. at, w- look, policy wise is another story. As far as the actual debate goes, and he was—I don't even think he Go was ahead. near the bottom of it. He, I, I, like, at least he would say things that were kind of coherent, and he wasn't <laughs> always talking over people. I mean, I'm just saying, as far as in the debate rules, he has really bad planned one-liners that he thinks are going to be great. Oh, I don't cut eighteen. Oh, I don't know what this you're talking so about. Rough. Listen, and I want to look in that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. Oh, you gosh. can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay? And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on this stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, yeah. no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. <laughs> He really wanted oh, that one to he land. He practiced that. Oh my gosh. That is that so like, awful. That so was awful. like the same way Chris Christie felt going to ask a girl to a prom is how he felt right there. And she just said no <laughs> to his face. It was so sad. You know, he if he had if he wasn't Chris Christie, he didn't have the, you know, corruption thing, which might work for him now. Didn't have the corruption <laughs> thing in the back. If he uh if he had completely different policies he could have cut through last night yeah because he, he can he, command the stage look again now i'm gonna be oh you love chris christie but like <laughs> christie's good at this yes he's general good at this. i mean again that he's was a horrible, horrible at everything else. that was a horrible moment yes. I mean, he, he really ble- and leading up to it I, like that line is so bad at the at the end of it but the rest of it is i think fair like i think criticizing donald trump for not being there is totally fair i do now, too if i i said this last night because i was thinking of you glenn beck runs for president i'm in a position where i would be the guy behind the stage and you're up by 40 points and i and you go what should we do with this debate i'd be like what are you nuts don't go near that debate that's what exactly i would be telling right. you you're up by 40 points stay away i want yep. you to win that is the whole way I would talk to you about it as yep. your advisor. And if I were advisor for Donald Trump and he was up like that, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. I wanted him there. I, I have right. questions for Donald Trump, but and I think they should be heard in a debate, but I'm not advising him to be in that. That's crazy. He won last night by just because not of up. that, by just not showing up. I'd say, you know, and that's probably the story for the first two debates, right? Like yes, it, every it day that passes in a race where the gap is 40 points, that there isn't a breakout performance is a win for Donald Trump, right? He's up by a lot. So he doesn't need his own breakout performance. He doesn't need to knock down Vivek Ramaswamy or Rhonda Sanders no. or Nikki Haley. He just needs to keep surviving. So totally understand it from his perspective when you're talking about winning. You know, there's a part of me, you go back yep. to, uh, you know, Ted Williams, this is going to give you a sports reference, Glenn, prepare yourself. Ted Williams was hitting, what, 401? Yeah, going he was into a great the, boxer. Going into the last day of the season, and the the manager offered to let him sit and just sit it out. You're hitting 401. It's going to be an amazing achievement. Don't go, you, what if you go over three? You might be under 400. Instead, he played, and he went, I think, three for five, and he wound up hitting 403. 
like I want a little bit of that from Trump. I mean, the whole reason. But all why, you need is three rounds okay. and five, and you're no. I'll, you're making your points are going to be good on this, but I'm just going to hold off okay. for one second <laughs> on them. Your 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 sports follow ups are going to okay, be great. Good. All right. But the point is like what we. You know, if you look at Donald Trump, what is it? What do Republican voters love about Donald Trump? How many times did they say it? Because he fights, right? This isn't him fighting. This is him being like, well, it's smart for me to avoid the fight. And I, I, I would like him to be there. And I think it was fair for both DeSantis and Christie to hit him on that. How Christie did it was just so cringeworthy. Correct. It was unbelievable. And I think DeSantis, the way he did it, I thought was, was good. good. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. It, was, it wasn't hatred towards Trump. No. It wasn't, you're the, Trump is the worst guy in the world. But hey, you know, like if he wants your votes, he should show up to these things. And I think that's a fair criticism. I don't Except know that. I wouldn't listen to it if I was Trump's advisor. If Donald <laughs> Trump would have been there last night, every would have, everyone would have in the press blamed him for the chaos. Yes. It shows you don't need Donald Trump for the chaos. Oh, no. the, that that chaos was there all by itself. Well, it was all a, by itself. It was a sense of desperation, was it not, Glenn? These people, oh. they're all looking here. They're all saying, look, we're down by 40 and 50 points. We can't break out of this. I mean, and people were talking about how well Nikki Haley did last time. She went from like 2 to 7%. You know, like this is the game that's being played here. They're all in a, in a getting an increasing amount of desperation. They need money, most of them. And so they all decided at the same time, what I need to do is just talk through the moderators. And sometimes that's successful. We've seen Trump do it successfully. We've seen Newt Gingrich do it successfully in previous campaigns. Yeah, but they don't all they do it. They all did it. They all made the same decision on the same day. Yeah. And, and I feel bad for Ramaswamy because he's the only guy true. that went the other way. Yeah, he did. He was the only guy that said, I mean, and and the Scott smashed him on it. I mean, just... And it was a great moment for Scott. Which one? When Ramaswamy said, look, we're we're all decent people here. We're all decent people. Oh, yeah. Yes. And he tried to offer a fig leaf to everybody or an olive branch. I don't know why you'd some, hand a fig Some leaf. fruit or vegetable. Yes. He gives them, he, he throws an <laughs> avocado their way. Right, yeah. And, and they said, <laughs> fig leaf, like they were all naked. Uh, whoa, oh, I'm sorry. I said, whoa. Yeah, Chris Christie oh, was on stage. Watch okay. your mouth. <laughs> so, um, uh, so he, you know, tries to be kind and reverse because he was too he was hostile. too aggressive last time. Last time. So he learns his lesson and he decides, you know what? I'm going to go this way. And they just slit his throat. Yeah, they did. Just slit his throat. Scott said, you know, you called us all bought and paid for last time, which I, by the way, for all the people saying we're Vivek uh, people, uh, we, we criticized. I thought that was wrong. I thought yeah. it was a bad moment for Vivek yeah, last time. And I thought Scott was fair to hit him on that because it was kind of like a blatant flip flop, right? Like it did seem like he was another person, but he was more Vivek, I thought. Yeah. That's how Vivek has been in interviews with us. Yeah. He was much more like he was last night. Uh, here's a cut seven, uh, is a cut 17. This is uh, Scott. When we have a conversation about the things that are happening on this stage, we think about the fact that Vivek just said we were all good people. And I appreciate that because last debate, he said we were all bought and paid for. And I thought about that for a little while and said, you know, I can't imagine how you could say that knowing that you were just in business with the Chinese Communist Party and the same people that funded 
Hunter Biden millions of dollars was a partner this of yours as well. It's not nonsense. So look, do, do here's what I, 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 I want to respond. These these are good people who are tainted by a broken system, and it's not the fault I, I think of anybody who's involved. Some of us are tainted with Bob Shut up, Tim. Shut up. Just let the guy. Just let the guy talk. What do we get out of this? You know, someone someone tweeted this, Glenn, and I was thinking of you because you were one of the first people who really started doing these these types of interviews. But like. Isn't the debate format basically dead, and shouldn't we look more at like the long-term pod, uh, long-form podcast format for for these types of things? Like, wouldn't it be much more interesting to have a few of these guys, maybe two at a time, talking about a specific issue in an hour-long format with yes. someone who's conservative and knows the issue well from a conservative perspective? Yes. Wouldn't we learn so much more from that about yes, these we guys? Because uh, you still have to be quick on your feet. But you actually have time to be able to lay out your ideas and, and show how much knowledge you have about these things. You just did one with Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, of course you would do it. No, but you just did one with Ron DeSantis uh, last week. A lengthy interview, of, of, what, an hour? Where yeah. you were able to go through all these things. And like I, that, you get so much more out of that than this nonsense. Oh, I, I got more out of an interview with all of them. I've done all of them except the Muppet at the end of the stage. Not Chris Christie. Uh, not Chris Christie. I won't. Well, I mean, you're invited, Chris, but. How, would you do, Doug? Would you get on that Bergamento no, train? I, no, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just a waste of time, gang. Just a waste of time. Um, but, uh, you know, the only one left, really. And I've done interviews, hour-long interviews with Donald Trump, but not since he was, he, you know, a candidate. Um, and would like to do that. I get more out of that. I, I, I got more out of what the blaze did when we just talked to them for about what, 30 or 40 minutes, one at Mm -hmm. a time, one right after another. Now it takes some commitment for you because it took all day. Um, but you want to know who these people are? That's the way to do it. And they, they just, they either hung themselves mm-hmm. or, or not. Yeah. You didn't see Asa Hutchinson on that stage, did you? No. Uh-huh. And there's a good part of that is because of the way he played to the audience yeah. in Iowa. I didn't learn a single thing last night. Not one. Really except bad. our republic mm. is uh, just out of control. Just out of control. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. As we said yesterday, I'm not going to give you this man's uh, name for fear of even more reprisals by his government in British Columbia. I'm just going to call him uh, Dad. Welcome to the program. Welcome back, Dad. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. How are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm I'm hoping you come with uh, some advice and some answers uh, for us because you didn't win the fight. You haven't talked to your daughter now in three years because uh, they gave her a choice, right? They did. They. Uh, I mean, the ruling from the courts back in 2019 was that uh, she had the right to inject herself with testosterone and pretty much do whatever she wanted to do as if she was an adult. Uh, they took that right away from me. And, uh, and of course, once that happened, this is where I kind of left off a bit yesterday as I, as I dropped my two lawyers. And, and I, had a, just, I had a choice to make at that point in time. Uh, you know, we weren't going to pursue it to the Supreme Court of Canada. But I was sitting on something that was super important that I thought everybody should know, you know, and and so I had to decide what to do with that information. Do I follow the courts and, and continue to be gagged and kind of watch other children get mutilated when I know what I know? And and and, and do I have a choice in, in that way? And I, and I felt that I did. 
and I, and I didn't feel bound by court orders when the court orders were so harmful to children. And so, you know, I was even talking with some media at that time. And, and I remember one fellow was saying, you know, this is probably your, your opportunity to become a leader in this, you know, make a big, bold decision and just move forward. And so I did. I had a lot of people that were telling me to just stay quiet. We'll find another case. We'll figure this out. Maybe we'll get, and, and I thought, no. And so I did. I broke my, I broke all the, the gag orders I was under. I went and did a whole bunch of interviews uh, to the point where I wasn't the only one in court at that time. There was media people in court that they were going after and letters were being sent all over the place, telling people to take content down. And in Canada, all the you know, letters were sent to Google and all Canadian content was removed. You couldn't find the story up here anymore. And so, yeah, obviously being brought back into court and, it, and I didn't stop even in court. It infuriated the courts because I would come in and a new story would be coming out the morning I'm back in court again. And the judge is like, what's this new thing? Uh, and at that time they also believed I had the power somehow to get the stuff all taken down. And I, and, and at that point I was representing myself and I said, well, Oof. You know, the, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn, right? You can't, you know, the toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube, but yet the expectation was on me that I could put it all back in, that somehow I could go back to the pre back when I was being gagged and following the gag orders, but that wasn't going to happen. I mean, the story went essentially around the, the planet, you know, I, I, people wanted to, I, I don't understand how governments think that they have the right to gag you on uh, something that is affecting your life in this way that that somehow or another they can tell you here's the punishment we disagree with you and now you can never ever talk about it that's insanity insanity well that's what i thought i mean this is their argument is is they're saying well the reason we're doing this is we're protecting your child because you're harming her by telling the story and sharing her medical information is what they said. And so in their minds, but this isn't what it is. They're, they're protecting their agenda, but they don't tell you that part. They, that's what they're actually doing, but they're pretending they're, they're, they're actually caring about your child. No, they're not. You know, once your child is out of high school, the school doesn't, I mean, the school is gone. The government's gone. They don't care if you stay transgender or not. The pharmaceuticals care, but beyond that, uh, you're on your own. Um, you're only on a pedestal while you're in government sort of care if you want to call schools that, which it kind of is. And so, uh, yeah, so to me, I, I thought, well, I'm going to break these gag orders. And, but that's why they did it. They did it to protect the agenda because they knew if, if parents knew and if well, anybody knew, you know, generally speaking, you're going to say, why would you sterilize a child? Why are we allowing this to happen? But if you do it behind parents' backs, and you intimidate them, which was a tactic. I mean, remember when I broke gag orders, this is like four or five years ago. It's not even today where things have changed to a great degree from where it was when I did this. Um, and yeah, they would take your job. I mean, I talked to so many parents, they're terrified. They're like, we just go with it. We don't like it, but we'd rather keep our child. And, and of course they play the suicide card 
Oh yeah. Which is this is the only card that they've got, and it's so much baloney. Because my daughter even told me, she's like, she's like, Dad, I'm going to commit suicide. I said, Oh no, you're not. And she starts laughing. She's like, No. But she goes, But that's what the doctor tells me to say. She's like, I have to say that. I'm told to do that. That's how I get treatment. So, so the whole thing is a scam. You spent 70 days, would have been a lot longer, but the uh, Court of Appeals turned things around. So you said you spent 70 days in, in prison. Uh, I did. You can. They're, this, they're still thinking the general, uh, the attorney general of Canada could appeal the decision. They have until early October uh, to appeal it and put you back in prison. Um, That's right. The Attorney General of British Columbia. Yeah. So he can push it into federal Supreme Court of Canada. Do you think that's going to happen? I haven't heard anything. You know, what's what's you again, this is the first in Canada is that they took a civil case and turned it into a criminal case. So what happened was, is, as I mentioned in my my previous my first Beast Court of Appeal ruling, they took it from a, a criminal matter down to a civil matter. Well, the, the judge deliberately on his own, not even under request from the lawyers on, who were opposing me, because he asked him, he goes, would you like to turn this into a criminal contempt of court case? And they said no. And he says, well, what does, what does you know, the, my daughter say? And that lawyer said, no, she's also not asking for that to happen. But then the judge handed it over to prosecution services anyways, and they turned the civil case into a criminal case. So this is how hard... The government is coming after me. So when you ask, will they take this to the Supreme Court of Canada? I wouldn't be surprised. In case you missed that, where you can go and help him fight his legal battle on this, go get funding.com. Okay. So what did you, first of all, do you regret taking this on at all? You know, in hindsight, looking back, I, I don't. People have often asked me that question, and, and I don't regret it because I look at all the change. Yeah. You know, it may have been a more difficult situation if, you know, nothing had changed at all. And I was just beating my head against the wall. But uh, clearly, you know, I mean, you know what's going on in the U.S. I mean, there are some provinces now up up in Canada that are starting to push back on this stuff. Right. And so I'm glad to see what I'm seeing. You know, uh, know, I look at it this way. And, and of course, I don't expect everyone to do what I did. I mean, this is a little bit of a a one, something that, yeah, you don't have that expectation, but... You know, in Canada, I look at this trifecta of death. We have abortion, sterilization, and euthanasia. They're going to start euthanizing kids as young as 12 in this country very soon. And And that, by the way, for those of you who don't know, that's not hyperbole. That is actually happening. And the kids can just say, I'm depressed. And the doctor can then say, I can help you with that death if you'd like. As early as 12. Anyway, go ahead. That's right. Yeah, so as, as I'm getting, as, as parents now are finding out after the fact that the kids are being sterilized, parents are going to get a call saying, yeah, your child's at the funeral home. And, you know, they did it under mature consent. Um, but, yeah, no, so what I what I sort of came up with is what I call the trifecta of, uh, of pushing back. And, and that, to me, was, you know, get into the courts, fight in the courts, uh, you know, get into the media, get attention out, because it's about educating people, making people aware uh, and, and last, and the hardest one, which is finally starting to happen here, and it's been happening in many states, is legislation, get stuff passed. And that's the, tip, that's the, the most difficult one. But it's starting to happen as well. And so, you know, I say, you know, I was looking at the numbers the other day, and we have just 
under, I think, 8 billion people in the world. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to add up, you know, the Catholics, the Protestants, the Muslims, the Jewish, and it's well over 4 billion. And I'm thinking, if, if, even if people of faith were true to their beliefs, we wouldn't be in this mess. Correct. Like, how is the minority pushing us around? And, and why are so many churches even failing on this matter? And, you know, I always say to people, you know, it's, it's not for us to follow our children into hell. It's for us to pull our children out of hell and back towards heaven. And yet so many parents will just be like, well, I'm just going to live with this. I'm just, I, you know, I don't want my child to not like me. Well, that's not proper parenting. You know, p- parenting is tough love. And you don't just allow your child to do whatever they want to do. But, and so when I say to people, what can you do? Number one is parent. You know, be a proper parent. Don't give in to this stuff. To me, that's, that's critical. I mean, this is what they're trying to destroy is your families and the relationships that you have. So your, uh, your daughter is 19. You haven't spoken to her uh, for three years. Um, last you saw her, she loved you. She shared things with you privately. Um, you had a good relationship, it seems. Um, then we did. She, yeah, you, her and I were close. And so you don't have that relationship now. If she comes back to you in, you know, a few years and she says, Dad, I'm glad I did that. Uh, and I'm a boy now. I've taken all the hormones and everything else. Will you will you use her name that you gave her or will you use the name she is taking? How are you going to deal with that? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it. I, I never want to speak, you know, in a delusion. I, like, I will never call my daughter a he ever. Mm-hmm. I can assure you of that. But the approach I, <clears throat> I think I would take is I just won't, I just get around it. I won't use anything. I'll just say you. I'll just be more like first person. Because I, I, at the same time, my conscience can't allow me to use a male pronoun for a female. But at the same time, you know, it, it's not even out of respect, I guess, because I don't respect when people do this, but just to avoid, you know, a clash, I suppose I would just say, Hey, you is an example, but yeah, yeah it's a difficult one. Cause I, I talked to many people about it and, uh, and a lot of them will call their daughters. He's because that's yeah. what they want. And, and I, I think I'm with you. I would call, I, I would use a, a name is just a name. You know, Alex can go either way. Um, but, uh, so a name is just a name, but, you know, denying the reality. Cause if I go in, if I had to take my daughter into uh, a hospital for something going wrong, I wouldn't say, no, uh, that's a boy. I, I would immediately say this is a girl. She's, she's transitioned, uh, but she's, she's a girl. Cause that would be important to know for the doctors. You can never deny that. Never. No, and that's what's silly right now is that, you know, one thing that my daughter was allowed to do back in 2019 was she was allowed to uh, change her vital statistics with the, with the federal government. That's insane. And so what you're seeing is all of a sudden you're seeing in the, in the, in the stats is you're seeing, uh, you know, girls that have, you know, cancers prostate. that only men can have. Yeah. Like prostate yeah. cancer. Like it's ridiculous yeah. stuff. It's ridiculous um, stuff. But what is the one thing? that you would give advice on not doing the thing that you are glad you didn't do or wish you hadn't have done? Well, there's, I look at, I see two camps of people 
I see those that sort of follow, I would call it the Martin Luther King Jr. model, and those that kind of follow the Malcolm X model. I tend to be in the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, club in that yeah, regards. Me too. And, and what I'll see is I'll see people, be, and again, it gets trendy because it's good for clicks as well, right? You'll see people going in and just stirring it up, like just getting in people's faces and just being very aggressive. It's both ways. Trust me, Antifa and all that. Yeah. I mean, I saw them last Wednesday. Uh, there was a big march, Canadian-wide march to, for, for kids, to save kids. Uh, and sometimes it's just not worth antagonizing. Correct. And that way, I, you know, I think I've accomplished a lot more by going through the courts, doing things that way, than, you know, if I'm deliberately seeking out places where I know the trans like collect themselves, like I'm not going to go to a gay bar right. and start preaching about right. Sure. How much I don't like transgenderism. All right. With kids. Let me tell you, I, I have an awful lot of respect for the way you have handled this. I, I can't imagine what it has been like for the last few years or what is still yet to come. This could help put you back in jail. Just this interview. And thank you for your courage. If you would like to help him fight, his attorneys are expensive. Go get funding.com. Go get funding.com. Search for BC Father Fighting Medical Transitioning. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right. Um, Uva uh, Romaiki, uh, Romaika is the dad. He is also with Kevin Bowden. He is a homeschool legal defense association attorney. Did I get any of the, uh, the story wrong, Uva? No, it was all right. Thank you for having me on. Uh, the only thing that was different was wrong was the uh, initial day when we or year when we came was 2008 2008 we have okay. been here for 15 years now yes okay and i remember we talked to you early on um because uh, your case was uh, pending i think at the time and mm -hmm. you have lived now here for 15 years you have been good mm -hmm. solid citizens you mm -hmm. you have jobs you're not depending on the government correct that's right yes and what happens to you if you go back to Germany? What happens to you and your family? Yeah, since uh, our two youngest ones that were born here in the United States would come with us, of course. Uh, they are now 10 and 12 years old in 5th and 7th grade. Uh, and we would homeschool them in uh, Germany. We would face the same, as you said earlier, persecution with uh, custody, losing custody and uh, fines and possibly jail time and, and all these things. That would be uh, the same as before we left. So and, and, uh, there wouldn't be any way to homeschool in Germany. And why are you homeschooling in Germany? What is what is this really all about? Well, uh, we yeah, we have several reasons, uh, but uh, initially we started homeschooling because our two oldest children, who at that time were in school for two three years, uh, their their personality changed. They they became withdrawn. They developed headaches, stomach aches. Um, doctors couldn't tell that, that there was any physical reason. It was all because of bullying and and being fear having fear to go to school. Uh, and, and then later on, we found out uh, that also what they were taught at school was uh, diametrically against what we as Christians believed. So uh, there were so many reasons we didn't want them to go there again. And once we actually started homeschooling, uh, they relaxed. They became their old selves again. 
and they are happy children now and all grown up. I mean, these are now grown up, have good jobs here, and uh, so everything turned out well for them. We wanted to do the best for our children uh, and still want to do that. And so you have two older children that married Americans. Uh, yes. And they ha- they're being deported as well? Yes, because uh, they applied for citizenship, but <clears throat> the paperwork hasn't gone through yet, so it's it's still in the process. So they are now all included in the deportation order. <clears throat> okay, so let me talk to your attorney, Kevin. Uh, Kevin works for uh, HSLDA. It is a, a nonprofit organization making homeschooling possible and making sure they're defending uh, the homeschoolers. Kevin, what is what what is happening here? Well, Glenn, thanks for having us on. I just I know you've been supporting his family for for many many years, going all the way back to 2010, 2013, and we appreciate that. You know, we we don't know what's going on. What we do know is they were told to come back in four weeks and to bring their passports to start self deportation. We also, of course, know that ICE, you know, has the ability to execute prosecutorial discretion and to not deport the family. So we know what they've been told to do and we know what's in the authority of ICE to do. And for some reason that, that we don't have yet, they've been told to get ready to go. Uh, huh. All I can think of is, uh, I mean, what would happen if they, they went on vacation and, you know, in Texas and uh, were staying at a friend's house? I mean, what would happen? Well, well, you know, we don't know. I mean, they are under this order of supervision that they've been under for the last 10 years, which does require them to show up to, to these ICE meetings. So they've been directed to come back, and they have an obligation uh, per this order of supervision to show up. And, you know, I, I mean, as you know, I mean, Uva and Hana have been law-abiding individuals in this country since the day they set foot on American soil. And if you know this family like I do, they will do nothing but comply with the law because that's the type of character that this family has. I have to tell you, I, I'm, I'm so disgusted by this. This is truly a family that needs asylum. They don't have the First Amendment in Germany. We have it here to protect people. This is what it means to bring in uh, those who are persecuted, not the hundreds of thousands of of young men without families coming across our border in the middle of night they did it the right way um and this i i tell you kevin this bothers me so deeply um when i first heard this story a couple of weeks ago uh, i think i said this on the air it was a very dark day for me. I, I had a really, Stu will tell you, I had a really hard time going on because I thought if this government, with everything that is out of control, has the time to take this family down, they have such malice that, it, that they're doing things that we can't even imagine. If they're coming after this family, that's malice. And it, it is it is not good for any American. Well, and you know, Glenn, it, it, it's inconsistent with the secretary with the you know the Department of Homeland Security's own policies. I mean, there's there's guidance memorandum from 2021 from Secretary Mayorkas, and the three priorities are threat to national security, threat to public safety, and threat to border security. 
So, I mean, you, you tell me, where does the Ramica family fall into these three, three priorities? I mean, they are the lowest of the low in terms of being here in the United States. So, you know, my, my, my thought is just follow your own prior priorities. They're, they're good priorities, but why are we not putting the resources of the U.S. government so, to actually enforce the priorities that, they have, that, that, that they've identified? So what's the plan? Well, we are, we've got a, a petition we're circulating. We hope to present that to, to President Biden. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, cow, we're at well, that? We're there? Well, it's, it's to demonstrate broad support. Of course, you know, we, you know, we want to just demonstrate that the country is behind this family. Um, Representative Harshberger has filed a private bill in the House of Representatives that's pending before the House Judiciary Committee. We would like members of Congress to support that private bill. They can't co-sponsor, but they can support it. And then Jim Jordan in that committee or subcommittee can request a report from ICE with this bill that would effectively uh, be a stay on any removal proceedings. So we're asking the Judiciary Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, to request that report. Tell ICE to tell them what's going on. Why are you deporting this family? What's going on? Give us the backstory. Give us the reason. And that would provide some temporary reprieve, at least, to the Ramica family. And then long term, we would love a private bill uh, in the Senate as well. And, uh, you know, those are a couple of the angles that, that we're looking at right now, which would allow them to stay and, and to continue their life here as we pursue some longer term strategies. Okay, so here's if you're listening now, I mean, if you're not listening, then how are you hearing me? But if you're listening now, I want you to go to HSLDA, HSLDA.org slash Romica, which is R O M E I K E. Rome Ike is how you spell that hslda.org slash Rome Ike um, and sign this. I am on the website right now and I am going to sign my name to it. I never sign petitions, but I will sign a petition for this family. Um, this is totally outrageous. What else can we do to help this family? Well, I, I mean, Uva can speak as well, but I mean, what he would say also is pray. Uh, you know, th- this yeah. is a faith-filled family. They love the Lord. And, you know, as Hannah has told me many, many times, I mean, we, we appeal to the Most High, and the Most High can take action and supernaturally intervene. And so I know from their hearts, uh, that's something that everyone, regardless of whether they sign, donate, whatever, w- that's something they can do. Can I uh, invite the? I'm saying this without any no, knowing uh, of my schedule at all here, so I apologize to my production staff. But I would like to invite the family, especially the kids that were born here and the older kids. Um, I would like to interview them and make sure that people see this family and what you're really all about. Can we get you guys to come in for that? We would love to, yes. Thank you. I, I am. I have done more apologizing to foreigners for my country in the last five to eight years uh, that I I thought I would never have to do this. We have done so many immoral things. We have done so many things against God. We have so lost our way. We don't even know who we are anymore. And 
my apologies for uh, what our country is doing to you and your family. This is absolutely immoral. And uh, I thank you for being uh, people that still love our country, despite what we've done. And we love the American people, and it's it's really a minority that is uh, that are the bad people. I think most of the Americans are good people and believing people, Christian people, and we are very thankful for all the support through prayer and um, people who laughed on us when we first came here. So uh, we feel very blessed to be here. Thank you for your all support. You bet. Thank you. We'll be in touch, guys. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It's hslda.org slash Romica, which is Rome Ike, R-O-M-E-I-K-E. I have to tell you, this is one I will go and camp outside of their house and surround their house with like-minded, loving Christian people who will just not break arms on our knees. We just go and kneel around their house in droves and we lock arms and we just pray for this family. And if they have to haul, if they have to haul me to jail so they can get to that family, so be it. I've, I've had enough. I've had enough. And I don't want to be a part of any anything that is violent is trying to overthrow anything but there comes a time where we have got to stand or kneel begging and and relying on the protection of divine providence na, na, na.